0: Thank you. Well, welcome to Renovate. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Well, hey, if you're a guest, I want to especially thank you for uh, being with us tonight. It is a privilege to have you here at Christ Chapel and at Renovate. And uh, if you did not see the welcome table on the way in, Uh, We would love it if you would take the time to fill out a connection card. And really all that does is it allows us to uh, be able to send you weekly emails and weekly group texts that let you know all of the different things that we're doing here at Christ Chaplain and Life Stage 2 and all the things we're doing with our uh, serve projects and social events and things like that. So if you get a chance and you haven't done it yet, go ahead and fill one of those out and you can just put it at the information table. Um, Also, I've got a few quick announcements we are going to Belize again this summer, and I think this maybe is year five, year six, something like that. Um, I came on staff two years ago, and so I've been to the last two Belize trips, and it has been amazing. Um, both years we had two different groups of people, and there were several people on both trips that were going on the trip, uh, fighting and scratching all the way. Uh, they had jobs, they had vacation time, and they were sacrificing a lot. And they ended up going on the trip, and, and they, their lives were changed. Um, their lives were completely changed. And, uh, you know, I got to know some of them last year, and, and it was just really a great privilege to be a part of that trip with these guys. So it's an awesome trip. It's an awesome week. And there's nothing like a short-term mission trip to uh, experience God, experience community. And like we've talked about in the series, to, to have an opportunity to love people that can't do anything for you in return. And so what we've done tonight is we've put some blue cards in your seats. So if you will, grab one of those. And this is not a commitment to go on the trip, but if you're interested in going on the trip, you can fill this out. Uh, it's just your email and cell phone, and then we'll give you more information about how to register and uh, how to get plugged into the trip. It's really an awesome, awesome time, and so I hope you do that. And you can just leave that in your chair. So just information, not a commitment, but we're excited about that. And then secondly, we are partnering with a ministry called Adera, And this is a ministry in Ethiopia. And it's working with a group of people who actually live on a landfill. Um, they make their living on a trash dump, uh, picking up scraps of food, rummaging through stuff. And a lot of times these men and women who have families can't work and provide for their family because of their kids. They have to take care of their kids. So this ministry provides school a Christian education for their kids. And what we're doing in helping with this ministry this month is we're going to um, partner with their their feeding program. And so what you can do, we have these cards at the information table out in the back, is you can pay $20 and sponsor a kid for a month. It's really an awesome thing. I think they're going to feed over 200 kids and so it's a massive ministry. But if, that, if you have a heart for, um, for Ethiopia, if you have a heart for these kids that can't do anything in return for you, but you just want to bless them, we have these cards in the back, and I hope you take advantage of that. So about this time last year, it was a Thursday night, I literally thought I was going to die of a heart attack. Dead serious. I was in my Ph.D. seminar class at Southwestern Seminary, And it happened to be the class that Dr. Patterson was teaching. He's the president of the seminary. And so we were sitting in his presidential home at his nice dining room table because that's where we met. And there was four other students and we were sitting at the table and all of a sudden I felt this tightness in my chest. My heart was beating fast. I was getting dizzy and uh, I was getting a headache and I, I literally thought I was having a heart attack right there at that table. And because I was too proud to say anything or to say I needed to slip out of the, the class, I just kind of pushed through it, but I was scared to death on the inside. They had no idea. Um, it, it was ironic. We were going through a class on the atonement, and so I was learning about how Jesus died for our sins and made a way for eternal life, and I literally thought that night was going to be the last night for me, dead serious. Dead serious. I didn't know what was going on, but something was going on with my heart, and I didn't know what it was. So after the seminar, I made it through the seminar, I went to meet with a group of guys I meet with every Thursday night at the round table, is what we call it, and I show up at the round table, and, and I'm, I'm pretty much in tears. I'm not crying, but I'm, I'm scared to death. Some of those guys are in this room, and they probably remember that night. But I walk in, I'm like, guys, some, something's wrong with me. Like, I don't know what it is, but, but I think I'm having a heart attack. And one of the guy's dads was a doctor. So he calls up his dad, and I'm like, hey, I, I'm, I'm your son's pastor, and uh, how are you doing? I, I think I'm going to die tonight. Can you tell me what I need to do? He was a heart doctor. And so he kind of walked me through some steps, and uh, he said, if, if it really gets to where you're, you, you really think you're, you, you need to go to the hospital, then go to the emergency room and get that figured out, but if you can wait and go to the doctor, go ahead and wait to, to go to the doctor. So needless to say, that weekend was an intense weekend for me, and so I went to the doctor on Monday, and, and I, I met with him, they did some tests and everything, and I, I didn't have a heart attack, I wasn't having a heart attack, my heart was okay, but what I had was high blood pressure, and I'm talking blood pressure through the roof, and so he asked me two questions, He said, Tyler, how's your diet going? And I said, yeah, that's a good question. Um... Uh yeah, I'm, it's it's going pretty good. I'm I'm eating a lot of sugar, I'm eating a lot of fat. I meet with four or five guys a week for lunch and we usually go to El Phoenix or five guys' hamburgers or I mean I'm you know, food is going well for me. In fact that's one of my biggest decisions I make every day is where do I want to go eat with the guys? So uh I meet at Old South, we eat German pancakes, I drink a lot of coffee, not a lot of water. Um that that's my diet. And he's like, Okay, that, that's not good. Um, and then he asked the second question. And he said, how's your exercise going? And I was like, you know, it, it's not going at all. It's, it's, it's not going good at all. In fact, since I started my job at Christ Chapel, I haven't lifted a weight in, in probably years. I used to run. I don't run anymore. I used to play racquetball. I don't play racquetball anymore. I, I'm not doing anything. And he's like, okay, yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you this high blood pressure medication, and you're going to start taking that, until you change your lifestyle. And he said, if, if you don't start to change your lifestyle, you're in big trouble. Because the way you're eating and the lack of exercise that you're doing, this, this is not going to be able to be sustained for long term. And, and my body knew that. So what was happening to me is my body was, was yelling at me, Stop! Warning! You need to stop and look at what you're doing. And the way my body was communicating was I was feeling this stress that just wasn't connected to anything in particular. It was just this tightness in my chest. I was feeling this this kind of anxiety that was going throughout the day and it wasn't connected with anything. I was getting dizzy for no reason and I was having headaches and I felt this pressure in my chest. And my body was saying, Tyler, you need to change your lifestyle. Taking care of our bodies is extremely important. But if it's that important to take care of our bodies, and many of you know where I'm going with this, if it's, if it's that important to take care of your bodies, how much more important is it to take care of your souls? If we need to take care of our bodies so that we can have a healthy lifestyle... How much more important is it to take care of our souls so we can be godly and live a godly lifestyle? And for some of you in this room, me included, you know, I hate this series, to be honest with you, because every week it's, it's wrecking me. I'm like, I don't know if I can get up here and preach this stuff because I'm not where I want to be. But some of you in this room, your soul is saying, stop, warning, danger, If you keep going the direction you're going, you're going to get in trouble. You're going down a path that you don't want to go down. And the funny thing is, we spend a lot of time with our bodies, but our bodies are temporary. You know, Paul says that our bodies are just temporary tents that are housing our souls. And one day, if we're in Christ, we're going to receive resurrection bodies. I can't wait for that day. But this body is just a tent that's temporarily housing our souls. But our souls are eternal. And some of your souls are crying out, Stop! You need to stop danger. And the way your soul is crying out is anxiety and and stress and just an irritability that that won't go away and a a frustration with your friends and a snappiness with your girlfriend or boyfriend and just a a general lack of contentment and joy. That's your soul saying, Stop! Stop! You need to address some things in your life. And so tonight, I want to ask you two questions. How is your spiritual diet, and how is your spiritual exercise? I mean, how is your spiritual diet? What kind of food are you putting into your soul? And a few weeks ago, I talked about, are you hungering after God's Word? What what are you putting into your soul? What are you feeding yourself? And secondly, what's your spiritual exercise? How are you training yourself to be godly? That's the question I want to ask tonight. And so if you're new here, we're right at the end of our series called Vital Signs. And this is a a six-week series. And all we wanted to do was each week we wanted to ask you a, a diagnostic question. Like, we're going to ask you this question and you're going to be able to tell where you are in your spiritual life. You know, kind of on a scale of 1 to 10, are you a 2 and you want to be a 4? Are you a 6 and want to be an 8? And so Ben led off the series and talked about, are you thirsting after God? Do you want more of God? Are you content and complacent and, and satisfied doing your own thing? And we talked about hungering after God's word. We talked about loving people who can't love you in return. Loving people because Jesus loved you when you had nothing to offer. Are you loving people who have nothing to offer you in return? And then Ryan McCarthy last week talked about are you loving the bride of Christ? And so tonight I'm asking you, are you training yourself to be godly? Do you have a good spiritual diet? Do you have a good spiritual game plan, a routine, a workout program for your soul? And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. I, I, I love 1 and 2 Timothy. They're letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, who was his young protege. And Timothy was in Ephesus, helping with the church there in Ephesus. And there were some tough things going on there. There was false teaching that came into the church. And, and there were people who were departing from the gospel, departing from the teachings that Paul had given them. There were people who were, who were bringing in these false teachings that were just crazy and not even close to what Jesus was teaching. And so Paul wrote these letters to Timothy who was a young man. He was a young, he was a young man in his 20s. And, and he was saying, you need to, to keep your eyes fixed on the gospel. And one of the big things he wanted to tell Timothy was, it's not just about what you speak, it's about how you live. Are you living a life of godliness? So let's read this passage together. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4, it's towards the end of your Bible, right after First and Second Thessalonians, starting in verse 6. And it should be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. So Paul says this to Timothy. If you put these things before the brothers... And he's talking about the gospel and the faith, the the doctrine of the faith. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So, Paul is, is talking about this idea of godliness. And in fact, that, that word's used only 13 times in the New Testament and nine times in this le- letter to Timothy. And this this idea of godliness is this reverence and awe for God that a follower of Christ has that translate into a life of obedience and activity. So it's it's this reverence for who God is and what He's done through Jesus Christ on the cross. It's this reverence and awe for God that can't help but lead to a life of obedience and activity. And so Paul is focused on Timothy living a godly life and the church in Ephesus living a godly life. And, and who is a better picture of the life of godliness? It's Jesus Christ, who, whose mind and affections were set on the father from the get-go. And he only did what the father told him to do. And all that he was concerned about was not pleasing man, but pleasing his father. And he had a reverence and awe for the father that led to action and obedience That's what a godly life looks like, and not only did Jesus live that godly life, He also gives us the power to live that godly life. And so, as we talk about this tonight, I want you to remember that when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, He gave you His Holy Spirit, and He has given you the power to live a godly life. I don't want you to leave here tonight thinking that this is there's no way I can do what Paul's asking me to do and what Tyler's asking me to do. I I just don't have it in me. And it's going to be tempting to think that. But Jesus has given you everything through the Spirit and through the Word of God to live a life of godliness. So I just want to talk about three simple things tonight. I want to talk about what is a healthy spiritual diet? You know, what does that spiritual diet look like? And then what is a solid, rigorous, spiritual exercise program? And then the third thing I want to talk about is what are the benefits of choosing those two options? Like what do you lose if you say, you know what, I don't want that, I've got my own thing going. What do you lose if you choose to reject those two options? So we're just going to walk right through this text. Starting in verse 6. The first thing with a healthy spiritual diet is you have to reject bad doctrine. And listen to this. He says in verse 6, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So he's, that's a positive. If you give them the positive truth of the gospel, that's good. But listen to verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. One of the things that was happening was there were these, these lies these myths that were entering the church that were deceiving people. Now every Thursday night, I've already mentioned it, but every Thursday night I meet with two groups of guys. I call it the, we call it the think tank and the round table. And the whole purpose of us meeting every Thursday night is to learn how to think Christianly about all of life. Learning how to develop a biblical worldview no matter what area of life you're in. Family, relationships. Um, whether to have kids or not have kids, whether to live here or choose this job or where should I work or, or what church should I go to. Whatever question you have, what we try to do on Thursday nights is look at how do you answer that question from a biblical worldview. And you know what we do a lot is we study bad ideas and other worldviews. So right now we're going through a book called Ten Books That Screwed Up the World and Five That Didn't Help. It's really a fun book. And they really are books that screwed up the world. Um, we're talking about like Hitler's Mein Kampf and the Communist Manifesto. And, and we're talking about Friedrich Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil. I mean, these are, these are crazy ideas that millions of people have adopted. And what we found as we've studied these ideas, it's really fun to watch. We read them and then we think, this really isn't that compelling. This idea, which has been adopted by millions of people, really isn't that impressive. It's, it's actually kind of crazy. It's like, there, there's no way this is true. But people follow these ideas. And as, as followers of Christ, whether you're leading a small group or a volunteer or a pastor or wherever you are, as a follower of Christ, we have to reject bad doctrine. And the only way to reject bad doctrine is to know good doctrine and is to know the truth. And so Paul says in verse 6, he says, if you put these things before the brothers. Now Timothy is teaching and what Paul's saying is continue to put these gospel truths before the body of Christ. Continue to teach them about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And then he says this, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Now this is just a parenthesis. But the temptation for guys like me and Ben and Casey, the guys who work for the church full time, is to forget that if we put these things before God's people, we are good, faithful servants of Jesus Christ. Like, pa- Paul, the, the office of pastor is to pray and to preach God's Word. All the other stuff we do, there's necessary things, but when it comes right down to it, My purpose in life as a pastor is to pray for each and every one of you and for God to move in our ministry and in our church and then to teach faithfully the Word of God. If I do that, Paul says, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. What more could I ask for? And yet, I find myself over and over again focusing on all the other things that are involved in ministry. You know, all the organization, all the planning, all the administration, all the the paperwork and all. I mean, there's so many things at a church this size that we do. When, When Paul is saying, Tyler, do you want to be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ? Then give your people the truth. Give them the gospel. Give them the fact that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died for their sins so that they might be forgiven and have eternal life. So that their soul might be made right with God and that one day they can, they can have the hope that when they die, they will be face to face with Jesus Christ in the presence of Christ with no fear, with no sin, with no anger, in perfect harmony with God. That's the message of the gospel. And to live in perfect, perfect harmony with each other. And so Paul's saying to Timothy, embrace solid biblical teaching. And it's funny, he says here, being trained in the words of the faith. This idea of being trained in the words of the faith is being nourished by the word of God. Which kind of goes back to what I talked to two weeks ago about hungering after God's word and let it nourish your soul. And so Timothy was being nourished by the word of God ever since he was a little kid. Because in 2 Timothy, it talks about his grandmother and his mom and how they raised him up in the gospel. And so Paul was saying, don't forget where you came from. Keep nourishing yourself with the word of God. As a ministry, we have to embrace solid biblical teaching. And so Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Paul saying, Timothy, don't get distracted by all these new ideas. Don't get distracted by all these, these myths and, and cool little Um, ways of looking at life stick to what you've known from the beginning stick to the gospel when you stop studying the bible your faith will often become shallow and purely emotional and and i've been around a lot of people that you know they have a genuine faith in jesus christ they really do they love jesus but 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 they're relying on their spiritual highs and really what they do is they go from one spiritual high to another spiritual high to another spiritual high. In the day-to-day mundane life, they're, they're, they're struggling to find joy and contentment. Back when I was at Angelina Junior College, I went to a charismatic church there, and there was a lot of good things I saw at the charismatic church. But one of the things I did see that kind of bothered me was that everyone would get all hyped up at our worship services. And I'm talking, I'm talking hyped up. Have any of you all been to a charismatic church I mean, we're, we're dancing, we're, we're singing, people are speaking in tongues. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The first time I went in there, I, I was shocked at what I saw. But, but you look at these people, and if you're an outsider, you're like, man, the, these people have a joy that I've never seen before. These people have this connection with God that I want. But a lot of times what I saw during the week was a whole different type of person. They weren't the same person they were on Sunday and Wednesday night at the college service. And the reason they weren't is because they weren't nourishing their soul with the Word of God. They were just going from emotion to emotion to emotion. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You had that experience at youth camp or, you know, you got saved at youth camp and you were riding high and you're like, man, I hope this doesn't go away. And it goes away because it requires that daily intake of the Word of God. So you have to embrace it. So Paul's saying, Timothy, as you preach the word to your people day in and day out, and guys, as you share the word of God with the people in your lives, don't forget to preach the gospel to yourself. I love this analogy. It's in a book called Habitudes. And the analogy is, is to an image. It's, it's an image-based leadership book. It's really cool. But but there's an image, and then there's a leadership lesson connected to the image. And the, the argument of this author is that we we remember images better than just verbal words and written words, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But the image was this starving baker, and you see this baker with a loaf of bread, and you see these people sitting down at a table, and he's going to bring bread to the people. And the story is, he started this bakery, and this bakery was booming. I mean, this bakery, there was a line around the corner, and he had the best um, bread, he had the best... Um, uh, cakes, and, and every day he was just running to and fro. I mean, he was he was serving bread, and he was doing awesome, and the people were being fed. They were full, and they were leaving happy. But what the regulars were noticing was that the baker kept getting skinnier and skinnier each week. And he would show up again and he's running around serving people. And everybody who came to that bakery left satisfied and full and, and content. And man, that's the best food I've ever had. But every week the baker was getting smaller and smaller. And eventually the baker died of starvation. Because what happened was the, the, the baker missed the principle that as you're feeding other people, you better feed yourself or you're going to die. And so in your ministries, in your little groups that you influence, as you're sharing the gospel, as you're teaching people, you cannot forget to feed yourself and nourish yourself with the word of God. Too many of us spend our time in the Word of God preparing for lessons or preparing for your small group or preparing for your little talk at FCA or or I'm preparing for sermons here every week. And what happens is I'm spending all my time thinking about how I can feed you and I don't feed myself. Guys, we have got to nourish our souls with the Word of God. Paul said, Timothy... Young man, you've got talent, but don't forget to feed yourself the Word of God or you're going to run out of steam. You're going to not make it. So I just want to challenge you like I did the other day. You've you've got to get into the Word of God. You've got to get into the Word of God. The second thing is we we have to have a rigorous spiritual exercise program. And this is starting in verse 7. If you follow with me, it should be up on the screen. I love this. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. We are called to train ourselves in godliness. In this word train actually originally meant in the Greek to... <laughs> To, to exercise uh, naked, okay? And this is before the New Testament times, but the Greek athletes actually competed naked. And um, I, I'm an athlete, I grew up an athlete, and, and I love being an athlete, and people saying, hey, Tyler's an athlete. But I can assure you, if I lived in that time period, Tyler would not be an athlete. I, I would not be an athlete. It would be Tyler the piano player, Tyler, Tyler the flute player. I'm not training... Naked. And so that word train originally was for the Greek games, and it was training naked. Okay, get that image out of your mind. Let's keep moving on. Okay. But when the New Testament times arrived, that that word train became just a general concept for rigorous exercise. That's really all that it meant at that time. Rigorous exercise. And Paul's saying, if you don't train yourself to be godly, you're not going to be godly. The reality is, guys... We have to discipline ourselves to be godly. We have to work to be godly. Let me say that again. We have to work hard at being godly. And some of you are thinking, Hey, Tyler, that sounds a lot like legalism. That sounds a lot like the to-do list that I've hated and that I was at that church one time and I got away from that church because I'm not all about the to-do list. What are you talking about? I'm talking about... You have to work hard if you want to be godly. Just like an athlete. Just like an Olympic sprinter. You have to work hours and hours and hours and discipline yourself to be godly. But the difference between discipline and, 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 and uh, uh, legalism is that discipline is rooted in grace. You're not working hard so that God one day says, man, Tyler you you've impressed me. You're really holy. I'm going to accept you into my kingdom. I, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to cleanse you. And then I can look at other people and go, man, if you'll just do what I do, then you can be made right with God. That's that's not what training yourself to be godly is. Training yourself to be godly is rooted in the gospel, It's rooted in the fact that because I've put my trust in Jesus Christ, He's empowered me. He's given me His Holy Spirit. He's given me all the things I need to live a godly life. He's given me the means of grace to live a godly life. What are these means of grace? They're called the spiritual disciplines. They're the spiritual disciplines. God has saved us and then He's given us these means that if we do these things, we begin to become more like Christ. We begin to be godly. And what are these things? They're things like Bible study with, with small groups. They're things like memorizing Scripture and meditating on God's Word and, and sitting under good gospel preaching and, and fellowshipping with other people and talking about things in the Bible and, and prayer and, and solitude. And these are disciplines. They're not easy. You, you know what I'm talking about. They're not easy. It's so easy to just kind of put it off to the side. But these are things that are a must. And I, I, I love this. Philippians 2. Paul says uh, in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absent, absence. Listen to this work out your salvation with fear and trembling work out your salvation you've been saved now work it out work it out in your life discipline yourself train flesh out that salvation that's in you for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure so we we can't take credit for it but we have a part that we play And whatever growth we have in the Christian life, we don't take credit. We give credit to God because He gives us the desire and He gives us the ability. But we still play a part. It's it's this tension we have to hold as believers. But we have to play a part in this growth and godliness. We have to train ourselves. Just like with my physical lifestyle, I've got to start getting to work and doing things that are uncomfortable so that I can live the life I want to live. And so finally, as we wrap it up, the third point, the benefits for training to be godly. This is beautiful. There's two benefits. There's a present benefit and a future benefit. Paul said it's, it's good. Physical training is good. He said there's some value in that. But the value of training your soul to be godly, the value of, of intaking a good, healthy, spiritual diet, diet of God's Word... And and the value of disciplining yourself and living out that disciplined life not only helps you in the present, but it blesses you in the future. It's both and. Because once again, our souls are eternal. The work that you put in will count for eternity. It doesn't end in this life. All the hard work, all the discipline, all the pain will benefit you right now. Because you're going to commune with Christ. You're going to be empowered by Christ. You're going to be content and joyful in Christ. And you're going to be released from the the addictions of this world and the idols of this world and the pain of your past. And you're going to live a life set free from sin. As you discipline yourself, that helps you right now. There, There is benefit right this second to start training yourself to be godly. But there is eternal benefit, Paul says. There are rewards. There is a life. We're we're just preparing ourselves to to be with Christ. And part of that preparation is to start to look more like Him. There's benefits. So tonight, I'm going to play the doctor. And you're going to play the patient. How's your spiritual training going? What does your spiritual diet look like? What are the things that you're consuming that your soul is receiving? Is your soul saying, danger, stop, you're going down the wrong direction? Or is your soul being nourished by the Word of God that you're feeding yourself? And then secondly, what what's your spiritual exercise? What, what are these disciplines of grace that God's given us that you're practicing? Are you in the Word of God? Not like, you know, one day you're like, ah, I haven't done it in a, a month. I'm going to just kind of flip open the Bible and oh, look, look at this passage in Leviticus. This is interesting. This is kind of scary. What does that even mean? I don't know. I'll try it again next month. You know, not this just random getting into the Bible. I'm talking discipline, like an athlete, like a world-class athlete, making the commitment that I don't care what other priorities I have in my life, the chief priority is to become a well-oiled machine spiritually. I want my soul to be nourished. I want my soul to be fed. I want a discipline. Paul says, I beat my body into submission because I want to experience the grace of God now. I want to experience holiness now. I want to commune with Christ in a way that, that I've never communed with Christ before. And I want to walk into a room and people say, That person walks with God. There is something different about that person. And I'll tell you this I'm not there. And this week, this sermon was, was tough for me. I mean, I, 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 I question whether I could even get up here and give this sermon tonight. Because I'm not happy with where I am spiritually. And I'm not disciplined in a lot of these spiritual areas in my life. And that's, that's on me. And I'm not leaving here like beating myself up and guilty and shame. I'm, I'm running to Christ saying, I want to be what you want me to be. Change me. Give me a love for your word that, that motivates me to, to rigorously discipline myself to be in that word every day. I don't care if I have papers due. I don't care if I have a budget due at, at, at church. I don't care if I have to preach tonight. I'm going to get fed first no matter what. And everything else comes in second. And guys, that, to my shame, that hasn't been me. And, and I want to tell you tonight, and I, that's what Ben and I were talking about today, was we are committed to, to putting Jesus Christ above everything else in this ministry and above everything else in our personal lives because we want to train ourselves to be godly. What I want you guys to see in me is Christ alone. And I don't want you to be impressed with anything else. And so my commitment to you guys is that when when Ben comes up here in a moment, when Casey comes up here, and Casey, you guys can come on up right now, when these guys get up here and and sing, and and Ben comes up here and challenges us, I'm going to be sitting up there, and I'm going to be talking to God and saying, Lord, do a work in my heart. And for you guys who don't like where you're at right now, that's where it starts. It's starting with saying, Lord, I want more of you. I want to experience more of your presence. I want to, I want to be more like Christ. I, I want you to empower me to live that disciplined life that brings the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And I'm committed to that. And my hope and prayer is that we as a group, a body of believers, would be committed to that. And here's what Paul says. I love this. He says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Do you accept what I'm saying tonight? Do you accept the challenge that Paul has given every single one of us, that God has given through Paul to every single one of us tonight? He's calling you to a life of godliness, and he's given you the tools to do that. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that that your word is true. I thank you that your word is, is spiritual nourishment to our soul. And Father God, I thank you that that you've given us the means of grace to help us grow in godliness. And so I pray tonight that you would just convict hearts, that you would uh, challenge us, that you would speak to our hearts to say there is so much more available to us as followers of Christ. And then give us the power and discipline to train ourselves to be godly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.